No, he's gonna, he's gonna stand. He's gonna sit there like a grandfather. Put the baby on a lap. Take a couple pictures. Then he's gonna die. The Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 271. This week, we have political theater. Kennedy is no more. A ton of fun enters the race. Lizzo, permitless breasts. Don't bend that fender. The change that wasn't on Broadway. The hit on a stripper. Chick-fil-A what? A little fight club. Come on down, enjoy the filth by the bay. Another loser at the GOP convention, and Kemp takes aim at Democrats. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my part of this endeavor, Representative Emeritus, Ken Pullen. Hey, Dave. How are you this week? Happy Pride Month. I'm fabulous. <laughs> what am yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's going rainbows. Yeah, one of my friends discovered our podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said he always uh, really liked your introduction. So the introduction was very long this morning. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but yes, happy Happy Pride Month. I, I uh, real quick on that. I just, you have to feel used a little bit uh, uh, when every every you get pandered to for thirty days and then thrown away, and all the American flags come out. Yes, it seems like it's a little tamped down this year, though, with all the stuff going on with Bud Light and Target, and now Chick Fil A. I, I, I don't see as many. Logos online changing this year. It's changed last year. And I, we, we said last week, I think there has to be a divorce between the LGB and the T's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a, there's a huge difference between being, hey, listen, we're accepting of, of a, anybody's, anybody's adult relationship and then turn around saying, it's also okay to encourage little boys to tuck their wieners. Right, exactly. I do think there needs to be a divorce so, between the, the letters there. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, but, I, but I, I do think it's. I, I think the pandering is insulting. Mm-hmm. At first, I'm sure it was very much you know support and all that stuff. But at this point, it's just pandering. Yep. All right, so the debt ceiling deal got done. Yes, congratulations. Get to spend more money now. Yeah, yeah. The deep, deep cuts that the Republicans were <laughs> able to get through. Yes, we were just talking about this. So they, so what's the quote? They've reduced. They're going to reduce the deficit over a ten-year period, but there's actually not a reduction because instead of spending twenty trillion more dollars over the next ten years, they're only going to spend ten trillion extra dollars over the next ten years. So we're not cutting anything. We're just not spending quite as much money over the next ten-year uh, cycle. Well, and they're using the COVID years as a benchmark. When the <laughs> right. government was was spending like crazy. Yep, that's not that should not be the benchmark. We need to look back at 2019 as as the benchmark for federal spending. Yes, exactly. Now I understand there's inf- there's inflation for the government too. I mean, they still have to put fuel in vehicles. They still have to feed troops. They still have to do they still have to do a lot of stuff. So the the, the costs that go up does affect the federal government. But hell, they caused it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. And you're right. I mean, a lot of us during the COVID years, a lot of uh, my friends don't have, they have that selective memory with, with President Trump. And look, I know we had COVID, but there was more money spent during President Trump's and our, our Trump's four-year term than what he spent. He had a $7.5 trillion to the deficit over a four-year period. It's almost $2 trillion the, a year. The SOB sent checks out, COVID relief checks, with his signature on them. Right. He was trying to out-Democrat the Democrats, and that never works. No, and I was listening to a stat yesterday on the radio, and they said that actually the years that the government spent the most money has always been when Republicans, uh, when there's the same party has control of all th- our you know, two branches of government, right? There's a Republican president, Republicans have control of Congress. That's when we typically have really high spending. Same with Democrats. you got a Democrat president, Democrats controlling Congress. You have... Uh, tons and tons of spending. So it just shows that neither party is responsible about the spending in Washington. But when they get together, you better hold on to your pocketbooks. Yeah, look, this was all theater. This was always going to pass. 
It was. Just it passed at the last minute, so we think these people are even more important than they actually are. And look, there are a lot of people mad at McCarthy. He sent uh, everybody home for the long weekend, and he stayed and did the negotiations on his own, is what the accusation is. I'd, <clears throat> this was not, this had nothing to do with Democrat or Republican, not at all. This is an incumbent protection bill because it, it has, we have no debt ceiling until after the 2024 election. Yeah, Jay, it's suspended it until January 1st, 2025. So the, we'll be able to get through the next election without talking about this again. And then the next president will inherit this mess again, and that's when it'll come back up. But again, it'll be 2025 instead of before the presidential election. But it, but it is January of 2025 is when it is what it is. Like you're going to get inaugurated that day and then immediately have to go into a negotiation with Congress. I know. Exactly. Yeah, it was interesting how our Georgia congressman voted on this bill. So Rich McCormick, uh, Mike Collins and Andrew Clyde all voted no, along with fellow Democrat Nakima Williams. And then all of our other congressmen voted yes on it. I thought you'd like that. Yeah, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, which, boy, she really became an insider fast. Yeah, Marjorie voted yes on this deal, and she was really defending McCarthy in the wake of a lot of criticism from the fellow Republican conservatives in the House. So you're right. There's been, and we've talked about this, I think, last week on the show, but she has really flipped from sort of an outsider in D.C. to a staunch insider. She's... uh, in the back pocket of Kevin McCarthy now. So I don't, this has been a big change I, for her. Yeah. I mean, between buying hundred thousand dollar lip balm and, uh, and supporting him for, for speaker and then being a steadfast supporter of this bill that McCarthy brought. It's not, I, I don't, I don't, I assume she got tired of being in the cold. Yeah, maybe so, but yeah. she's got there's. I mean, there's forty or fifty other guys in D.C. and guys and you know men and women that she could go uh, partner with. So it's not like she's the only one out in the cold in D.C. And I know it's not a it's in a comfortable position, but for the flip flop on her part has been very dramatic. Yeah, look, when you have a little more gravitas and you have a little more credit up there, you can get away with some no votes against the speaker. But when you're newly and newly in his good graces, I'm guessing. And look, I'm not making excuses for. Her. I mean, you need to vote principles, not not making yourself feel good. And Rush Limbaugh talked about this a long time ago. It's the it's the cocktail party circuit. Yes, it's not just it's it's what you're invited to once once they gavel out for the day. And when you're on the outside, you know you're on the outside, but. It's the, it's the cocktail parties that, that you want to get invited to. Yep. I thought it was interesting what Congressman Nancy May says. She's out of North Carolina, but she said, and this was a quote, this was not a compromise. Republicans got very little. We're adding $4 trillion of debt over the next two years. There's no cap on the debt limit itself on the debt ceiling. And, you know, we're expanding and growing government welfare. That's what happened tonight. So good for her really speaking out against this bill. $4 trillion more dollars in the next two years. I I just can't. I mean, we're going to go from what thirty-one now to thirty-five over the next two years, or thirty-six trillion. We're on a race to fifty trillion dollars in national debt. Yeah, of debt that could that could almost never be repaid. No, and a percentage of uh, interest we pay on that debt is becoming a, a large percentage of the, the GDP every year. So we're getting to the point where it's going to be a, a tipping factor at a certain point. We're going to have some a lot larger issues than we would have had if this bill probably wouldn't have passed. Right. So Fox cancels Kennedy. Kennedy, well, not 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 Kennedy Montgomery, the person, but uh, Kennedy, the show on Fox Business. I know. I saw this. This is one of your favorite shows, and and mine too. Kennedy's got a great show, and uh, she is off the air now. She's, however, going to remain at Fox. But I think I was very disappointed in Fox canceling the Kennedy show. Hey, they're putting on Cudlow. Larry Kudlow reruns. Mm-hmm. So you're going from a libertarian to somebody who is, let's just say, a a lefter-leaning Republican who was <laughs> right. a Democrat at one point. Yeah, she always um, had great content on her show. She had good people that always came on her show. They were always had you know very cordial debates. I thought her show. I thought she would get promoted versus 
her show getting taken off the air. I thought Kennedy had a bright future, but I don't know what prompted this decision. Unless she's going to slot in for Tucker. Yeah, that's an interesting hypothesis there, Dave. Uh, Could be. We'll see. Uh, Because she's not she's not leaving Fox. She's still going to be doing guest spots and all that stuff. The, the what I really liked about Kennedy was it gave a voice to people like Spike Cohen, mm-hmm, it did. Uh, to Shane Hazel, to uh, to other libertarians that are out there that, that otherwise weren't getting any airtime. Yep, she always did. And really, when you when you pull her off of Fox Business, there there is nobody else out there doing it. No, there's not there's, at all. It, it's it's not it's not it's not on the big it's not on the big Fox. It's not on CNN. It's not PMS, NBC, or uh, anybody else. No, nobody else is, is covering this stuff, and that message is not is, is now not going to get out. Yeah, not at all. Unless they unless they end up coming on Gutfeld at eleven o'clock at night, which I watch. And look, it's the number one show in, in late night, but it's still late night. Yeah, so you're after your. I'm done you're, at you're, eleven. Your normal consumers not. Yeah, <laughs> normal consumers not is not is not t- taking that in. I, I DVR it every day. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. Also, I put in the notes, but <clears throat> Matt Gates, who's a congressman out of Florida, he was on Newsmax this week, which I, I've never watched Newsmax. I don't even know how to find it, but he actually had more viewers on his show than Anderson Cooper had on CNN. So it feels like there's a shift that's going on where people are leaving Fox because of Tucker leaving, and they're moving over to Newsmax, and a lot more viewers are starting to to watch the Newsmax shows, but when did Newsmax come out? Was this during the Trump years? Or was this sort of an alternate reality type, you know, network that came out? Of- I, I don't know the history on Newsmax. I started hearing about it under, under the Trump stuff. Yeah, I did too. Uh, and I think it's an answer to Fox adding, adding more liberal content to, to their lineup. Mm-hmm. And, and in Fox's defense, they've always had liberals on their show, whether it was right. Alan Combs or, or somebody like that, and you know, the, out of five, the, watching the five, out of, out of four of the five are more or less conservatives, and then you have one liberal. Uh, it might as well just be called four on one. <laughs> but it's 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 always it's always respectful and and all that stuff. And, and what's funny is, uh, as you, as you see, like with Jessica Tarloff, as you start seeing her hard left stances start start to 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 swing a little further towards towards the middle. Just like we see, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Essie Cup, who yes. was a regular on Fox News, moved over to CNN, and then she starts moving moving left. Same thing with Meghan McCain. Started moving, started easing over to the left. When she, when everybody you work with, everybody you're surrounded with, is, is left, then they they start moving moving that direction. Mm-hmm. All right, so things are about to get heavy. Chris Christie <laughs> is poised to announce. His run for POTUS in 2024. Yeah, can you? I mean, everybody remembers this was the governor of New Jersey back from 2010 to 2018. Look, this guy's got a 47% unfavorable rating among Republicans. I, I, I can't believe it's not higher than that. I know what this guy's getting in a race for. He, uh, I, I haven't found anybody that likes Christie. Yeah, a cupcake on his plate has a better chance than he does. It does. And I, I saw Babylon B this week, which is a satirical website, which is, they've got great content, but it said, political analysts confirmed that Chris Christie will eat the competition's lunch. <laughs> so I thought that was a funny headline. Yeah, and look, I, you know, I, as a fat guy, not Chris Christie fat, but as a fat guy, I, I know it's, it's, it's impolite to, to point that out, but look, the first thing DeSantis did when he decided he wanted to run was get on the Weight Watchers or whatever he did. He did. Is he dropped weight. Yep. Uh, it's it's not it's it's not that it's it's how physically grueling it is, but it's the it's the impression. It's, it's giving people one less thing to 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 hammer you on. I can't imagine he gets one uh, percent of a primary vote. Uh, I, I don't, and I don't. No, I, I, I don't know. What, I don't know yeah. what his goal is here. I don't either. I don't know what a lot of He's people's goals. Picked. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to pick up a vice presidential presidential slot. I think I think uh, Tim Scott might because yep. he might be able to, he can deliver South Carolina. But you know, just this uh, week, Christie's jumping in, uh, vice president up under Trump's jumping in. We've got we've got what, what are we up to? Ten candidates now. Yeah, Pence is Pence, Pence has is no in. Chance. No, Pence has zero chance. So I don't know what, look, I, and he has Mike zero Pence chance to be in an administration. Nice 
Yeah, right. Well, yeah, look, if uh if I don't know. He he might he could pick up an ambassadorship somewhere. Look, I think my Pence is one of yeah, and I think Pence is one of the best guys you can meet. Uh, I think he's a super guy, a great Christian guy. He took a lot of flack a few years ago when he said he wouldn't go out to lunch or dinner with another uh, you know, another woman without his wife being present and the media just blasted him for that. But, uh, you know, that it was smart on his part. You can't do stuff like that. Being a married man, it just looks bad on you and your wife. And he took a lot of flack. I think he's almost too nice for politics, but I don't, I think they're trying to figure out how they attack Trump and maybe Chris Christie's going to be the bully that really goes in hard after Trump and lets DeSantis sort of, not have to do all the attacks while you've got Christie attacking them from, you know, that side. Uh, maybe that's the strategy. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Look, I, uh, I've never heard Pence being accused of, of sexually harassing a woman. Uh, there aren't people coming out of the woodwork to sue him for, for sexual harassment. Uh, so that, that, that milk toast is kind of nice w- with that, especially after the, last eight years we've had of, <laughs> of ups and downs with, with the presidential election in, in 16, again, in, in 20, and now going to 24. Boring might be nice for a little while, but I, I, he, Pence has no chance. No. And he's not, he's not, he's not mean enough to go, go and attack Trump. I mean, he, he just, it's, it just, it, it's just not going to happen. And I don't think DeSantis speak- is too, though, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think that's his goal. So we'll see. Speaking of heavy, Lizzo is considering quitting the music industry because of people talking about her weight. I will second that motion. <laughs> Look, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard a Lizzo song. I, I I see her grabbing the headlines from time to time, but yeah, this was a this was an interesting story. I think she. I think I. The only time I've ever heard her music, I think, is who it was. Is the hair back thing. Uh, was a soundtrack to to a movie uh, my wife was watching or something like that. The, the, uh, I think other woman. What I don't even even know what stupid rom com she was watching that had it. But yeah, I, I I couldn't I couldn't name a single Lizzo song. But look, she is the one who made her weight an issue. She did. She she's she's out there wearing spandex and see through stuff and uh, half naked on stage. And look, if you're gonna be half naked on stage, people are gonna talk about your body. Yep. She says she's hurt by all the negative comments on her social media pages. And that's what's driving this decision to potentially quit music. Well, she, she talks about how healthy she is. She works out every day, loves working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't eat fast food and stuff. I'm like, well, I don't, well, I try not to eat fast food, but, but I'm so much, I am on the road so much. Look, it wasn't fast food that made me fat. It was steak and potatoes. Hey, look, I'll tell her, you know, I, I, this is, this is very true for anybody that's in the, in the, in the limelight here, if you're reading negative, if you're reading comments on your social media pages, that's probably the first place to stop. Uh, politicians, celebrities, when you put stuff out there, you've got to know that people are going to comment. So, you know, some people are going to support you. Some people are not going to support you. If you're out there reading those comments every day, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Uh, it's better just to, to post stuff and move on because there are going to be negative comments. I've heard that from a lot of people, in the, even even D-list celebrities like uh, people on the radio in Atlanta and sports talk. Mm-hmm. They'll go on Twitter, they'll put their thoughts out, and that's it. Unless yeah. they ask for a poll right. or whatever. In, in politics, if you, if you make it high enough, you have somebody who handles your social media for you. Um, I think Micah Gravely had the best thing when he got criticism. Uh, he wouldn't get into a debate on Facebook. No, you can't. And I, he, when I was he, an officer, no, what, what he, you just can't. What he did was he'd say... Let's grab coffee. Yes, and nobody ever shows up for coffee at that point. Right. Let's grab coffee and talk about it. I'd love. To, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, uh, here, you know, PM me. Uh, I'll, I'll or he'll, he'd have, he'd put his phone number out. Hey, give me yeah. a call. We'll do coffee. I had a guy. His name was Tom. I'm not going to repeat his last name. But when I was in office, he would comment on every single post I put on Facebook, and it was always in a negative way. So then all the other people in, the, in my district saw that Tom was always commenting. Every time I went out and I saw ran into people, they would say, hey, how's Tom doing? I mean, it became this kind of joke 
because everybody would wait on Tom to, to reply and put comments on my Facebook post. And I actually talked to Tom. He was one of those guys we finally sat down and talked for a little while. I mean, he was a hardcore uh, liberal, but it was respectful when we met in person, like you expect most things to do. But interaction online was, was not respectful at all. Um, Matt was running for Matt Lowe was running for office, and he had somebody uh, before that uh, when he got in a political political debate with somebody he started talking about Matt's kids, and he said, "I will f start your soul if you mention my family again." <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> and that guy dude ended up voting for him. <laughs> I, I think I think that was the guy that like, basically figured out he was he was out of line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. Wonder how Matt didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe. <laughs> So lactation consultants don't need a license in the state of Georgia. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting story. So the Georgia Supreme Court ruled this week unanimously that a state law that was passed back in 2016 requiring lactation consultants to be licensed is unconstitutional. So not everybody knows, but Georgia is one of the worst states in the nation for occupational licenses. We rank somewhere around 10th in the number that we require for people. Uh, and then almost every year, if you pay attention to the Georgia General Assembly, they are licensing more and more professions that pop up. And all these licenses are is a way that makes it harder to get into the business. And then it makes it harder for more lower income people to get in because it costs money. You have to get through training. Uh, and some of the jobs like this are not, and you said it earlier, they're not performing any type of medical operation. So there's no danger or risk if someone doesn't have a license. And again, we were talking before the show and I think, uh, I, I've, I've experienced this would not, obviously not personally. Uh, but I've, I've spoken to, to women who are, who are mothers and there's a, there's a tremendous amount of guilt for women who have a hard time breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And these lactation consultants will come in and tell you how horrible a formula is for your baby and you're not doing something right and you need to do better. Uh, you need to do whatever exercises, uh, massages, whatever. Um, but so some of these lactation consultants are just awful people. They they, they have an agenda. And listen, there's there's nobody's going to disagree that breast milk is 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 superior if if it can be done. But think about how many babies died uh, with famine, or if uh, if you a hundred years ago. If you couldn't breastfeed, or actually more than 100 years, probably 150 years ago, yeah, right. you had to hire a, a wet nurse. Yep. And if and if you weren't somebody who could, who could do that, if you weren't somebody who could find another n- nursing mother, your kids starved to death. Yep. No, and I thought what was interesting here, too, is Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who actually voted no against this original law back in 2016, uh, praised the court's ruling. So he was one of the defendants in the case. So. Very good on his part and his office part for coming out saying we don't need another license in Georgia and actually you know, suing to uh, have this law declared unconstitutional. So, hey, I tip my hat to Brad Raffensperger on this one because his office would have been required to issue these licenses. And it just, look, it makes it harder to work. And what, what ends up happening in a lot of these cases, you may think, well, why did Georgia even go down this path? So you'll have... Uh, these lactation providers out there that form a little group and then they lobby the state assembly to pass a law that says now everybody's got to be licensed and it's just preventing competition at that point. So a lot of these licenses come out of groups of people in Georgia wanting to create a license so more people can't get into that profession. So it's not like they're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts to make sure people get the right training. They're doing it so fewer people can get into the profession. So they're trying to limit competition. Yeah, look, when I took my my warm air exam, I took it on Valentine's Day, I think. It was February 14th. It's it's a computer test. Now it's a it's a eight hour algebra test, but it's all on computer. Two months later, I didn't have my results. Mm-hmm. Uh pass or fail. I you know, I had I had to call I called Secretary of State's office. At the time Secretary of State was was Brian Kemp. Call Secretary of State's office. You need to talk to the testing company. Call the testing company. You need to talk to Secretary of State. So finally, I got somebody at the at the testing company uh, to send the results over. And so I called Secretary of State. She goes, oh, no, you did really good. And I had my license the next day. <laughs> so uh, I was talking I was talking to Brian Kemp uh, at, at a meeting one day. 
and told him about that, about the laborious process. And he said, we're working on it and all this stuff. And I was talking to my brother who got me into the business. And he goes, why would you do that? You're in. So yeah, it's, <laughs> don't it's make a, it easier. It's a, it, <laughs> yeah, don't make it easier. Don't, don't add to the competition. You're in. Yeah, that's all this is doing. And like you, I had stories when I was in office for people applying for the real estate license. And then it was just the most painful process just getting through. Not after, you you know, you take the real estate test, you pass the test, and then you wait months and months and months to get your license. It's, you know, for, and it's really for no reason, right? It's just, it's just bureaucracy in the government, not having enough people in the government to fulfill these licensing requirements. And it prevents people from making money and it prevents people from working. Yeah, yeah, look, it, it it is if if you're it's a little different for professional licenses like mine because you've had to you had to work in the field for a certain uh, a certain amount of time. So usually you're you're not completely broke. You're not learning, you know, going to school to learn off the bat. Uh, you've been you've been working in the industry for for several years, and you have people to sign sign for your license and all that stuff. Um, but. Yeah, waiting months and being being in limbo for months. You can't start your business. You can't do anything for months. So, speaking of expensive, don't get in a fender bender in your Rivian. <laughs> yeah, I've heard this. This has become a big topic in Georgia and around the nation now. These electric cars are so costly to repair once they get into a wreck, and it's bumping everybody's car insurance up. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this guy, this guy had a fender bender. But the way these things are put together, one is the the crumple zones are designed to protect the occupants. I understand, but the way things these things come together in order to replace the bumper, the the damn glass had to come out. Mm-hmm. That had to break the break this thing all the way down. It cost forty two thousand dollars to fix a dent in a bumper on a vehicle that cost seventy three thousand. Wow. Yeah, I've got a Farm Bureau friend that's an insurance agent, and he shared this story. I'll say. And, and his direct thing, I mean, his, his view on this was these electric cars. And look, also these electric cars are tearing up our roads because they weigh a lot more than normal cars. So the electric cars are tearing up the roads. The people that buy the electric cars are getting tax credits and rebates back. And then when the electric car gets into a wreck, it costs a ton of money to, to repair the car, which then raises everybody else's car insurance that hasn't bought an electric car. Not, not to mention putting a strain on our electrical grid. Yes, it does. Right. Uh, so, so in some states, they say not to charge your car within between certain hours. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, these electric cars are a mess. I don't know if you saw the, there was a congressional hearing on electric cars, and you know the government's view is everybody should be an electric car by twenty forty. I think it's like hundred percent electric. And one of the senators or congressmen asked the the person testifying. He said, "Well, what would our power grid?" be like or what kind of you know enhancements would we need if we had 100 percent electric cars and it was just a joke at that point because everybody knows it'll never work electric get electric grid couldn't support it but you know the governments continue going down this path of 100 percent electric cars uh, you know in 20 or 30 years yeah look it's you didn't have to convince people to buy automobiles uh for from millennia transportation was horse I mean, going all the way all the way back to the Egyptians with 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 with, uh, with chariots, uh, you you didn't have to force somebody to get into a car. What right. happened? Yep. Everybody was 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 horse and buggy. Cars were very expensive and were toys, and 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 not the most efficient way to get around because the, the roads didn't support it. And here comes Ford with the Model T, affordable common man's car. You could put a just about any working family could put one vehicle in, in their in their uh, in their driveway. It was innovation that that brought about the change from from going with livestock to to internal combustion. It was innovation that did it. Mm-hmm. Affordability. It wasn't government forcing anybody to do anything. No one said you have to buy a car. Put put your horse in the barn. Uh, Rush actually did a really good song about this called Red Barchetta. <laughs> I have to and listen to it's, that. It, it's yeah. It, it, Neil Peart was a, was a brilliant lyricist, and the idea is internal combustion has been outlawed. And this this kid goes would go to his uncle's farm and take the and uncover this internal combustion car, and he'd go driving, uh, and then the cops would chase him and, and all this stuff. But it was it was a dystopian future. He was big into uh, he was big into Ayn Rand, 
So it was a dystop- dystopian future where the government uh, eliminates uh, internal combustion. That song's forty years old, <laughs> and and they saw and and Empiric saw that coming. Rest his soul. Speaking of things that were forty years ago that are coming uh, coming true, John Cleese of Monty Python is giving his middle finger to the woke. Now, don't confuse John Cleese with a conservative. <laughs> But he's a comedian. Uh, and for those who don't know, most people know Monty Python. I, I know you're not a big fan of Monty Python. It's a British comedy troupe. They started off doing sketch comedy in something called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Uh, they did Quest for the Holy Grail. But this is about Life of Brian. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in the movie where this guy decides he wants to have a baby. He wants to be a woman named Loretta. Okay. And, and the argument goes back and forth with him about... About well, you can't have a baby. You haven't got a womb, and they go back and forth. What, what, what are you, you going to do? Keep the uh, where is the baby going to gestate in a box? And this is well. Let's agree that you you have the right to have a baby, even if you can't have a baby. What's the point of that? And he goes, well, to fight to fight our oppression. He goes, you're fighting reality. <laughs> and and so this is going to be a, a stage. This I think this is going to be on Broadway. This yeah, is it be is. A stage production, yeah. and they want it to be cut. They want that scene to be cut, and he gave the middle finger. No. Oh, good for him. I think Life of Brian came out in 1979, and this was already a joke. This was a joke in 1979. Well, it was a joke. It was a joke five years ago. I mean, it was a joke in 2018, right? It's only sure. Only in 2023 that a a man can have a baby, and a man can actually. We were talking about lactation earlier, but uh, there was a story this week on a man being able to breastfeed a baby now and he's taking all these hormones he's pumping you know tons and tons of chemicals into his body and now supposedly for him he can you know he can nurse his baby and nobody knows what's in this substance that's coming out of his body now so yeah i mean all this was a joke five years ago well i heard that theory a long time ago that well it's not a theory true Uh, i was playing poker with a with a doctor and we, we, were, we were talking about women and their bodies and stuff. We are talking about boobs. And he goes, they're nothing but over, overblown sweat glands. And so I, I, I suppose if, if you're equipped with the sweat glands, it's possible to produce something. But I'm, I'm not sure a bunch of chemicals. You would tell a nursing mother to be careful what you put in your body. So much so that you, know, you don't eat fish with mercury and, and things like <coughs> right. that. Yep. Uh, but but give give a uh, give a man who decides he wants to nurse a bunch of chemicals and then expect expect it not to affect the body, right? Yeah, all my wife ate but, when she was pregnant was Mexican food, and now in turn, all my eighteen year old son wants to eat his Mexican food. So we we think that had something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> had a pro had a proclivity in utero. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, good on John Cleese. A lot of the stuff that that was that was jokes. Uh, that were jokes, whether it's idiocracy or uh, so so many of the uh, of the other things that were jokes. Uh, what was the there was a movie where uh, Schwarzenegger is pregnant. Mm-hmm. I I think the cover of Glamour magazine or some Glamour uh, some magazine that's coming out is a naked chick that says she's a guy but she's pregnant Ugh. and uh, instead of having clothes on, it's painted on her. I, I like the one where the transgender couple conceives a baby. It's a transgender man and transgender woman. Like you mean you had straight sex? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I, I he, he <laughs> turned it all the way back around to being straight. People, hundreds if not thousands of years, are going to look back at twenty twenty three and say, "What in the hell was the U.S. thinking?" And it's the U.S. By the way, it's not. Uh, this craziness we have going on is not widespread around the world. It's in the United States. Yeah, you, you don't see that in Riyadh. Where's your burqa? I'm a man. Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't see it in Europe, though. I mean, you, know, you don't see it in Italy. You don't see it in Spain. You don't see it in any of these other countries. It's just focused on the U.S. That's what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So anyway, we had a, it appear that a stripper had a hit performed on her in Atlanta. Uh, this person is... Uh, it took it took a it took a little digging to figure out that she was a stripper. I mean, I kind of figured it, but she uh, uh, got off her shift at the the lounge late night, and she was killed in, a, in an Uber. I think it was an Uber black car. I think it was like a, a 
caddy, mm-hmm. uh, an Escalade. Two drivers or two cars, two shooters. Shooter in the back seat. Uber driver doesn't get a scratch. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's traumatized, but <laughs> yeah, didn't I would get imagine. A scratch. Uh, and and she's dead. They were having a candlelight vigil for her the other day. Uh, it's. I mean, any background on why she was shot? I mean, she, like you just said, she. No, no idea. Her, no her idea. Name, her real name was uh, Tisha Bruley. Mm-hmm. She had another stage name. She, tens of thousands of Instagram followers. She had a, a, a OnlyFans account, which I guess everybody does. Yeah, I mean, know. who doesn't, right? I mean, I know you do. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fatmansfeet.com. Uh, yeah, but it's very strange. I mean, that, that, that was. That's a straight up hit. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. This was not just some random drive by shooting. This was that she was targeted for this, and and they put a hit out on her. So yeah, it, and it, it was this isn't a jilted lover or that that, that 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 usually a jilted lover doesn't have a you know two teams two cars pull up and know exactly this was a block or two from her house in Buckhead. Right. So th- this was they knew exactly what time she went home. They knew what route she was going home. They knew what car she got into and popped her yep so normally we have funnier stripper stripper stories but you know that's uh uh that's not exactly a, a happy uh happy uh ending on it but it's it's interesting that that we've turned into the streets of of uh medellin in the 1980s mm-hmm. oh yeah we, we, we've got we've got people in limos essentially what escalate is on, on a uber black getting whacked in the back seat. Yeah, I can't imagine being that Uber driver. That had to be a crazy moment in or, his life. Or are you an Uber driver that took a, took a bribe to, t- to tip them off? Yeah, could have been. Never know. I'm sure he's up under investigation also. Yeah, maybe maybe I've watched too many too many movies. <laughs> Same here. Was it Arkham's Razor, the simplest explanation is the most likely. Yep. All right, Ken, I guess you're not getting a chicken sandwich. I don't know. This one's going to be tough for me, but I don't know if you saw this week that conservatives are now calling uh, for a Chick-fil-A boycott. And this is after it came out that Chick-fil-A has hired a new diversity uh, DE&I director. Uh, so everybody, all the conservatives in Georgia, it looks like they're fired up because Dan Cathy has now put somebody in charge of their DE&I program. Look, I think every major company nowadays is a certain size has a DE&I director. I mean, they almost have to nowadays, or the left comes down on them and uh, really hard. This, this is yeah, co- but left, left wing protests have never hurt a company. No, you remember when a few years ago, yeah, the left tried to cancel Chick Fil A or tried to boycott Chick Fil A a few years ago. It was probably yes, and, and conservatives lined up around the corner. Oh, I know Chick Fil A did. Yeah, Chick Fil A did more business that year than they ever have. And by the way, the busiest Chick Fil A is in New York City. The busiest Chick Fil A in the world is in downtown New York City. So. <laughs> Yeah. Go figure. Well, and, and Goya came out with, it wasn't even a pro-Trump stance. This is several years ago. Right, right. It wasn't even truly tro- pro-Trump, but they went after Goya. And let me tell you something. Every conservative that had been buying uh, old El Paso or, or Bush's beans or whatever else, they all, they wiped the, the shelves clear of Goya. Mm-hmm. And they, they made sure that the, 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 the employees and the owners at, at Goya, which is a truly American success story. Yep. Uh, being, being able to c- compete in that space with giants like Bush's Beans and things like that. Uh, conservatives went out went out of their way to go to the Latin section of the grocery store to buy Goya beans if they're going to buy black beans or whatever. Yeah, I don't think this is going to have the same impact that the Bud Light. I mean, it was easy if you're a Bud Light drinker to go pick up Coors Light or some other beer. If you like Chick-fil-A chicken biscuits, it's not as easy as to find a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit replacement. So, but everybody, I mean, not just that. It's, it's your, your restaurant experience at Chick-fil-A is much different. Oh, it is. And not, uh, you can have 50 people in line at Chick-fil-A and you're out in five minutes. You can have five people in line at McDonald's and be out in an hour. Yeah. And, and look, I think everybody understands that Chick-fil-A has changed since Truett Cathy passed away and his son, Dan, is now in charge. It has gone more, I'm not saying left, but it's just go more to stuff like this that's going on. You know, Dan's big into uh, the Dirk. movie industry. He's big into these DE&I initiatives. 
it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And like I said, every Isn't company he the has one that this. said that, that, that white people should wash the feet of black people during the, the BLM protests. He did. He said, we need to apologize for, you know, racism and, and you know, all the stuff that was going on. Yeah. Dan was big on that. We need to shine the shoes. You ever been and, past true at Kathy's house? No, I haven't. Yeah. If they want to start reparations, they can start them with them because <laughs> they can afford it. Right. And true. Kathy was, I mean, was, was a super nice guy. Um, I think that being closed on Sunday, uh, besides being a religious thing, it continues because it helps staffing tremendously. Oh, definitely. But as yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Look, if hiring the director is one thing. If, if they start changing their logo, or I, I just don't. Chick Fil A needs to make chicken sandwiches and stay the hell out of <laughs> politics altogether. Right. All companies need to stay out of politics. Uh, I'm not big right. on any of them. So real quick, there's not a whole lot to say about this. The uh, uh, middle school in London County, Loudoun County, Virginia, has a had a fight club, a middle school. This was not at school. Yeah, fighting in kids' basements and garages, and parents were uh, okay with this, right? So parents were getting together and having so, kids so, fight in their garages so, and basements. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, man, I. I don't know. Fighting in a basement, you could certainly get hurt unless you get pads. Uh, but go, going out and, and king of the hill or whatever outside, man, we did that stuff all the time. <laughs> we routinely had kids break break arms, fall, you know, fall. Not that you know, took took somebody over your knee and broke his arm, but but roughhousing and playing tackle football in the backyard and and, and all that stuff. I. Hell, I'm just impressed they're outside playing. Uh, me too. And we, yeah, I'm like you. We played tackle football all the time growing up. We even played it in the church parking lots. I mean, it was uh, it toughens you up. And yeah, if you get hurt every once in a while, so what? Just makes you a better person at the end of the day. We're too soft nowadays, well, I, especially our young kids. Oh, yeah. I had the wind knocked out of me. I had fist fights. And then next day, your best friends. And that's just part of being a kid. It is. Now, I, the school had, the, the school, I guess, responded to this because. They were being tagged in the posts, so it's it's bad. It's if what you're doing, what what you do is fine. Is when you they had they felt the need to put these fights on on Instagram or whatever the kids use now, TikTok, whatever. But they're tagging their middle school in it as you know we're we're from this middle school, and the school's finally like basically like leave us out of it. Yeah, that was the problem. It, 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 even in the quote is like we're not going to tell you how to parent. But, but, you know, you can't tag us in this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, yay for kids getting exercise. Uh, San Fran's getting desperate. They have a $6 million U.S. tourism campaign. Yeah, so what are they doing? Creating a new campaign to lure tourists back to San Francisco. What I thought was so funny about this is they created a minute-long musical ad that features a local drag queen named Lady Camden. I'm not sure a best way to recruit people that don't like the San Francisco, what's going on out there is to have a drag queen as your local musical ad, but Hey, all for them. Well, look, here's the thing that doesn't make San Francisco special anymore in the seventies. Absolutely. With, with, with Castro and the Castro district and all that stuff, it was a counterculture that it was a, it was a, a place where gay folks could come and, and be gay. Mm-hmm. Now you have that, in every city, it doesn't matter. You uh, you you want to you you want to do a drag show? You want to do Charlie Brown's Cabaret or whatever? Atlanta's had that for years. Yeah, San Francisco is to, a beautiful uh, city, though. It's uh, it is truly an amazing place. It's just who wants to go there with all the crime and homelessness that's yeah, uh, overtaking they, the city? They didn't go down. They didn't go down to the pier and brag on on that kind of stuff. They didn't. All the shots are so tight, you can't see all the human feces on either sides of the sidewalk and stuff. Yep. Uh, and look, I heard you can stay cheap in San Francisco right now. Like the the Waldorf is five hundred bucks a night. Yeah, I mean, a city uh, a year or so ago came out with an app, like an iPhone app, that if you see human feces on the street, you actually just take a picture of it, report it, and someone from friend of government comes out and cleans it up. So that's how prevalent it is in San Francisco. Yeah, in a week or two. Yeah, yeah, in a week or two. Yeah, you got you got pooper pooper scoopers for humans, <laughs> right? Uh, look, I, I'm sure if you if you go to San Fran, and look, the flights to San Fran are fairly cheap too. Mm-hmm. They are. No one's going. Uh, and look, if you want to go to Napa 
SF, SFO is is your is your main airport you fly into. You fly into San Francisco and you take the Pacific Highway north and go 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 to Napa. Um, but that's not what the the Airbnbs like outside of San Francisco, Mill Valley, and those areas are doing really really well because people when they when they go to the, go to San Francisco they want to be out of the, you want to enjoy seeing the Golden Gate Bridge and you can from from Mill Valley. Uh, you know you 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 want to do that you want to do that you stay outside the city and. Even even trying to attract uh, suburbanites to come into the city to do stuff, you don't go to San Fran to go 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 out to dinner. You don't want to go to. I mean, as much as I may want to go to Chinatown, I'm. Do you really want to go to Chinatown? Not anymore. Do you want to put up with all the crap to get there. Nope. Literally. This is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions, and not those of anyone, not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find. Other episodes and relevant stories over the georgiavirtue.com. We got the mule of the week. Hanoi Jane says, white men are to blame for the climate crisis. <laughs> 85-year-old Jane Fonda. I forgot she was still alive at this point. Oh, gosh. She says white men should be jailed for it. Yeah, she said there would be no climate crisis if there were no racism. That is a direct quote from her. Speaking this, white, speaking this week, she said her main job in life right now is fighting patriarchy and racism, which is all the white man problem. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, she was she was helping fight that patriarchy and, and uh, racism when she aimed an anti-aircraft gun at American troops and fired it. <clears throat> it's amazing uh, how she, I mean, just the relevance and trying to stay relevant and saying stuff like this and the crowd that she spoke in front of. I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure she was speaking in front of a, a very liberal crowd anyway. But when she started talking, even the people in the audience were sort of moving around in their seats, not really, you know, clapping or saying anything. I think everybody knew how cringy this comment was. Yeah, look, I, I, I've never liked Hanoi Jane. Uh, uh, even from, from earliest memories of being told, you know, what she is and what she did, even even with liberal teachers and stuff, making excuses like she didn't know that's what she was doing. She was just trying to end the war, show that people are people. No, she's a dirtbag. She always has been. Uh, I guess she's in a new movie. She's in a, a movie out now, too. I, I don't know. I, I I guess that's what she was trying to promote is her movie. And that's really the wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to inform her that the father of American conservative uh, of conservation is Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Very white man and a hunter Republican, but he, he, he went out West and said, we have to preserve this. And he's, he's the father of, of, of public land of, of, of this idea of having, having spaces where our native animals and, and plants can, can, can thrive. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a white dude that did that. All right, so loser Carrie Lake to speak at GOP victory dinner. Yeah, it's just, oh, our, God. I, I know, our statewide party continues to be in shambles. We've talked about this a couple times on the show lately. They, the GOP convention is next weekend in Columbus, Georgia. It's where all the GOP activists get together in the state and they elect a new chairman who... Uh, I hope is Josh McCoon, uh, state senator, or you know, previous state senator out of Columbus. But they invited Carrie Lake to speak at their GOP victory dinner. So just think of that. She lost the election in Arizona for the gubernatorial race against Katie Hobbs. So they invited a loser to speak at a victory dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she Carrie Lake made an ass of herself. Ask, ask for a recount, absolutely. Then that's not good enough. Lawsuit, fail. File another lawsuit, fail. She did everything she could to block her opponent from, from taking taking the uh, governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. Which to a certain to a certain point, fight, 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 fight. But at a certain point, you have to accept the results. Yep. If if, if once you've once you've exhausted all practical solutions if you're only the only solution you have left the only arrow left in your quiver is to go to the media and whine it's over and And she's been whining ever since she lost so you've got you've got her who's who's denying an election uh you've got uh candace who denies several elections including one she got 
beaten by 47 points. You know, obviously, that was fraud. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Candace Taylor. To me, I mean, it's, this is a Candace GOP convention. Mike Pence was supposed to be the original speaker at this convention, and he pulled out probably for good reason. Uh, they probably would have booed him down in Columbus. But, yeah, they Candace Taylor's basically running the GOP. She This is the same lady that said the earth is flat. This week she came out and said Elon Musk is the Antichrist. Uh, this is your Georgia GOP. It's Candace Taylor, flat earthers, and calling Elon Musk the Antichrist. It, it's amazing that the, the GOPs allowed this. The guy this. stones were struck yeah, down the by guy God. stones were struck down. She claims that she beat Governor Kemp. If it wouldn't have been for cheating, she would have beat Governor Kemp in the gubernatorial primary last time around. Uh, you know, this is also at a state convention where none of the uh, uh, statewide elected officials, except for Burt Jones, are actually attending this year. And it's just, uh, I don't, they've lost credibility. I don't, think, I don't think your boy has a chance. If this is the lunacy that the state party is, is going for, McCoon does, doesn't, doesn't stand a chance. You know, I think McCoon's, I think Josh is the only one that can't the the actual GOP relevant again because I think he does have the respect of Governor Kemp. But the, you know, the we've had these, we've got these leadership packs in Georgia now, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But there's just the statewide candidates no longer need the Georgia GOP on their side. Uh, they've got enough money to run campaigns, and they sure don't need people like Candace Taylor touting them when. Uh, just absolute lunatic. <laughs> I don't know any yeah, other way you, to describe you ever, her. You ever move a piece of furniture with your wife and just tell her don't help? Right. <laughs> Quite often. And that's exactly you know, Candace. Like, well, I want to support you. Don't help. Yep. Don't 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 mention me. Don't help. And I always like to talk uh, about. I always like to bring up Candace's shenanigans because there were a lot of people that live around my house in my area that still have Candace Taylor signs up. And I don't know if they were fooled, they're not paying attention or what's going on, but it's embarrassing at this point to have her in the, the GOP. Yeah, look, she can vote any way she wants. She can run. Look, I think she has enough supporters where she is. She, she could have been in the state house. And she probably could win a state house race at this point. You know, I think she still has the money. Um, I don't think she wants state house because... She'd have to take three months off during the school year mm-hmm. to do that, and I don't know exactly what the hell she does at the school. School, she's not. She's she makes a very good salary, especially for where she is. But i i don't I don't know I don't know what put the screw loose in her head. I don't know if she's always been an idiot or if she's surrounded by just like we're talking about working at CNN and working at Fox. I don't know if she surrounded herself with people who are nuts. And and they've encouraged it, but yeah. I, I don't know. But and look, you know, this is a bad this is a bad look for the Georgia GOP. If anybody's is. actually looking, but yeah. I don't I don't think Josh has got, got a chance with that crowd. No, he's gonna, he's going to stand up there, give a speech, and be reasonable. And somebody else can go out there with their hair on fire, go the world is flat, the world is flat. And they're gonna go, <laughs> that's our guy. And I think you know up until the filming of this uh, this episode, President Trump is the only presidential candidate for the Republican Party that is committed to speaking at the Georgia GOP. Typically, you would have all the candidates coming through to speak. I mean, you would have Pence and DeSantis and Chris Christie and, you know, all the major candidates would come in and get, you know, want to get the support of the GOP there and get volunteers to work on their campaigns. Uh, All these candidates know that the GOP, uh, they're just, they've lost it this year. And there's no reason to come up there, speak, and get booed off off the stage. I mean, this is the Republican Party in Georgia. It's the party of Trump right now. Uh, I think he he wins the state big next year in the primary. And, I mean, I'm going to continue to predict he's going to get beat by Biden because uh, of, you know, previous elections and just what Trump is at this point. If Biden doesn't fall down and kill himself <laughs> yes. first. If he doesn't fall down and a sandbag doesn't uh, cause his demise. Doesn't assassinate him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was the sandbag's fault. He went the wrong way off the stage. Yeah, he fell, he fell down at the Air Force graduation last week. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it, and look, he, it took two people to get him back up. Yeah, that's, it was very that's embarrassing. Like, like I fall down. I mean, that, that happens. Uh, I trip on something, fall down. You look back, see, see what got you. And then you stand back up. Like he, he not, not only one person put their hand down to help him up, but had 
an Air Force general and a Secret Service agent on either side, getting him back on his feet. Like, like, like he was a turtle turned on its back. Yep. So, uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Georgia Republicans, Kemp is targeting Democrats in the 2024 election cycle. Yes, this story came out this week. So, again, Governor Kemp has this leadership pack now that he's able to raise unlimited amounts of money into. So he's already looking forward uh, to the 2024 election cycle. And, you know, Democrats and Republicans both do this. They look at all the state House races and state Senate races around the around the state of Georgia, and they figure out who we need to protect on our team and who we need to go after on the other team. So his initiative so far is designed to protect six state House Republicans and you may know some of these people, Scott Hilton of Peachtree Corners. Scott actually served four years ago, served two years, lost, and then ran again last year and won. Scott's a super guy. I'm really, uh, I like Scott. He's just a good guy. Deborah Silcox of Sandy Springs. Deborah is basically a Democrat already. Matt Reese of Duluth, Lauren Daniel of Locust Grove, Mike Chokas, and Gerald Green. So Kemp's trying to protect those six state House Republicans, and then they're targeting five Democrat incumbents, uh, state senator or state rep Michelle All. I don't even know how to say this other state rep's name, Farouk Mughal, Jasmine Clark, Nabil Islam, and your buddy and my friend, state senator Josh McLaren of Sandy Springs. <laughs> yeah, look, there's also... Uh, putting candidates up in sacrificial races. And the Democrats do this pretty well. Uh, they they run a sacrificial lamb against Joseph Gullett every year, or every, every two years. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they have any hope of winning. Look, you don't you just don't go from a, a core of 60, 65% to flipping that, that, that seat. No. What it does is it makes Joseph save his money and use his money in district instead of sending it, sending it to somebody else. Right. So part, part of these packs would be funding people in in blue districts just to make sure that they have to campaign just to make sure that there's, that they can't take that money and send it elsewhere. And that, 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 that's the game is that people wonder why, well, why the hell would you run against somebody that you know, you're going to lose that makes them spend money. And I haven't looked up the latest number day, but I think, you know, it's 180 seats in Georgia. I think Republicans are down to about 98 uh, you know, the majority is basically a majority of eight at this point. So Democrats know if they can flip five, six, seven seats, then they get it down to almost 90-90. And at any given time in a Georgia you know, General Assembly, five to 10 or 15 people will be missing. They've either got some type of uh, work that they need to do externally or they're in a meeting or they're visiting with constituents. So they know if they get it down to about 90-90, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough to pass, you know, Governor Kemp's priorities and any controversial type bill in the next legislative session. Well, that that uh, is up to the speaker a lot of times is to hold it to make sure you know when mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're going to have everybody everybody in your caucus on uh, uh, you know on site in their seats. Yep, uh, and that 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 has a lot to do with with your whips and has a lot lot to do with your with your floor leaders and and that kind of stuff where. You know, we know there there are things that happen. People get sick. Yeah, um, we would get text messages all the time on crucial bills or you know bills that were uh, that were going to be close. Uh, our whip, you know, there's there's a, a whip in the house and there's a whip in the senate, and they have deputy whips. And deputy whips has about ten you know re, ten representatives apiece. And every time their crucial vote was coming up, they were whipping people to come in. You know, please make an effort to get in the chamber for this vote. Uh, and it's going to be a lot harder if Republicans lose any of these seats. Yeah, even as a spectator and a visitor, I'd go up there and, and would stand around and BS with, with the reps. And then a crucial vote come up. And go, oh, <laughs> I got to go. starts go, ringing. Go sp- yeah. yeah, go sprinting off. Go, you know, I'll see you at lunch or whatever. Go, go running off to go vote. Yep. Now, what's funny uh, about a couple of these Republicans that they're trying to keep in office, like Gerald Green, for example, he's down in the Cuthbert area. His district is 60% Democrat, but he's been in office for a long time. It may be 20, 25 years. Gerald is, uh, he's like the, who's the representative down, the congressman down in the, the southwest part of Georgia that's been, you know, more of a, he's, you know, the districts are plus probably six, but he's been in, in so long because he's just got the respect of a lot of people on the other side. 
So that's what Gerald is. I mean, Gerald's voting record in the House. I think there were when I was there, there were 25 Democrats that voted more conservative than Gerald. But it's people like him. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be necessarily targeted and, and removed from office. Uh, I think he'll win again but, just because he's got a lot that, of friends. That Howard Maxwell said about um, about Kim. Uh, I'm, I'm having brain fart. Uh, uh, but they were asking him to to fund opposition against her, and he said no. Right. Yeah, they were. They they both represent the same county. They worked together on a lot of stuff, and he was. Oh, it was Kim Alexander. He was not going to go after Kim Alexander. Yep. And Sanford Bishop and, is who I was thinking about. Sanford Bishop is in a Republican congressional district, but he's just made a lot of friends with the farmers down there. He's always got farm aid out to him when they needed help, and he's been there to go. You know, he's been their go to guy. So. It's the same way with a couple of these representatives that they win well, in other districts. That's the beauty of local politics is it is especially if you get outside of Atlanta is you know your reps. Yes, they're they're in your community. You run into them at Publix. Yep. Uh, and, and and I about ran into Joseph one day accidentally walking through Publix. Oh, hey man, uh, because because they are members of our community. It's not they're not aloof. They're not over in Washington that they fly home for the weekends to come shake hands. These are your these are your friends and neighbors, and it doesn't matter if it's an R or D after the name if you know this is a good person. No, I totally agree. And what the Democrats will do is they'll they'll nominate people to run against these people that are like wacko left. So even if you're a Democrat in one of these districts, uh, you know who Joseph is, or you know who Gerald or or Mike are, and then you've got this crazy candidate over here on the fringe, and and they're not going to switch their vote just because I, of the DNR oh, beside like the, their name. The last one that ran against Micah called herself the Pink Rocktopus. Yes, I remember that. So even oh, Dem- even insane. Democrats are not going to vote for her because they know that uh, even though they may not disagree with all the policies, they know uh, he's a good person, right, and has a good family and is going to look out for them at the state house. Well, especially in rural Georgia, where the there's not there's there's not a huge line between Democrat Democrat and Republican on family value issues on farm issues and things like that. There's not a whole lot of air between them. Yep. Now on the outside, they're even, even trying to get a gun bill past somebody who's a Democrat from South Georgia. You're not, you're not getting a yes vote on a gun bill. <laughs> no, not at all. You, you may, may not get constitutional carry out of them, but you're not going to, you're not going to get an assault weapons ban out, out of somebody who's, who's, who supports South Georgia. Right. All right, man, as we're running long, as, as we tend to do closing <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, just real quick, congratulations on Al Pacino having a baby this week. His wife had a baby. He's 82 years old. I had to read that headline again, but him and Robert De Niro both had new babies here recently. I can't imagine being 82 and having a baby, but uh, hey, all to uh, Al Pacino. It's not like he's going to raise it. (laughs) He's not. I'm sure there's plenty of nannies. He's like, come here, little man. Come here. (laughs) No. No, he's gonna, he's gonna stand. He's gonna sit there like a grandfather. Put the baby in a lap. Take a couple pictures. And he's gonna die. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it, good God, yeah. It's. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves Al Pacino, but good God, I mean, I, obviously, there's a 29 year old that really loves Al Pacino. He demanded his wife to have a paternity test when the baby was uh, with the baby. So obviously, he either has got short term memory and forgot what happened, or or something else is going on here that we don't know about. I heard somebody on Gutfeld uh, the other night say, "Say, uh, uh, can you imagine being in the house? Al, come up here. Come upstairs and make love to me. I can't do both. <laughs> oh, that's too good. All right. So uh, I'm going to end on a happy note. Happy anniversary to my parents. 58 years. Yeah, congratulations. I, that's I, quite an achievement in today's world. Yeah, I told my mother at her 50th, had she killed him the day she married him, she'd be out of prison by now. <laughs> So yeah, that there 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 is hope, and they got married. They got married very young, and with no money. Uh, with my father being a E two E three in the Air Force, to to put food on the table, and work, worked their butts off their their entire lives, and and raised uh, at least one good kid and three decent ones. And uh, uh, and they continue to work work on it every day, and that they they love nothing more than to spend time together and travel together, and that they're kind of an, they're they're inspiration to to people to see what what it means to put family first, 
work your asses off, raise good kids. And, you know, obviously now, now they're, they're enjoying their lives. So on that note, a big, big thanks to Eric Cumbie, our editor, to Ken Pullen, the representative emeritus. I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week. Catch me howling at the moon